I love reading romance, even with my mom. Historical, paranormal, a good rom com. We both like a grump, an alpha, and a beard. But reading with my mom, well, it gets kind of weird. I'm reading steamy scenes, getting bothered and hot. But if mom is asking, I read it for the plot. We look for swoony scenes, those moments that delight. Communication's good, and the banter's so right. So if you'd like to read along and join the group, here's a little secret I'll let you into the loop. It's just a little show that we like to dub, not your mom's romance book club. Welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's, and today it's all of yours as well. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hi, Ellen. It's going grand. Great. Good. <laughs> Today we are having a free-for-all where what? we talk about whatever book we want and you do the same. But first, Mom, Desert Island, three Thanksgiving foods. Go. Ooh. Well, turkey, apple pie, mm-hmm. and after that I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Gravy. Gravy. Yeah, I'm all about do, the gravy. Yeah, you do need the gravy. Um, I like just, my food wet. I think I... Yeah, that's hard. If if I could count mashed potatoes and gravy as one, I think I Oh, would, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> I mean, apple pie would definitely be on mine. And then I also really do like your rolls. Yeah. So maybe not even turkey. Maybe just rolls, apple pie, and gravy, and mashed potatoes, and mashed potatoes, and gravy is one thing. <laughs> kind of in yeah. the little cup, like, you know, you get from KFC. <laughs> yeah, there you Only go. Only better gravy. Yeah, yes, yes. And better mashed potatoes. And better mashed potatoes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think those would be my three. We had an amazing Thanksgiving. Just carbs. Just, <laughs> just straight, straight carbs. carbs. <laughs> in fact, just more apple pie. Just the apple pie. <laughs> just, yeah, really, I could just take three apple pies, and I'd be, I'd be good. Um, we did have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We had a ton of people, lots of kids running around, screaming, laughing, shooting jumping on furniture, <laughs> shooting us with Nerf guns. It was a great day. Good food. It was. Um, this and I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I can make a mean apple pie. She can. And I love my apple pie. In fairness, I make a pretty good apple pie too, but it's just because it's your recipe. Because <laughs> you copied me. <laughs> um, yes. We did have a one. It's been kind of a crazy week for me. Um, more on that in a bit. Okay. Um, so today, we're just going to get right into it. And we're not doing a break segment today because I don't want to bother. I do want to share oh boy. While, we're t- <laughs> while we're talking about Thanksgiving. And, you know, since we're a worldwide podcast, um, my husband was actually living in Australia for a little while. And he was in Australia over a Thanksgiving. And um, some of the little neighborhood ladies wanted to help them celebrate Thanksgiving. And so they wanted to know what they ate at Thanksgiving. And, you know, he said, oh, we have turkey, we have pumpkin pie. So they wanted to make him a pumpkin pie. And so they brought a pie with just chopped up pumpkin in it, like an apple pie, but, but with, with pumpkin. pumpkin. And... Um, which, you know, bless their hearts, that is not what our pumpkin pie is like. I'm not even sure that there's any pumpkin in our pumpkin pie. But yeah. they they had to sit and eat it because they didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So they had to eat this squash pie, I guess it would yeah, be. 
Maybe if it was, like, seasoned heavily, it wouldn't be... I don't know that it was. Yeah. I don't think when he recounts it, it doesn't sound like it was. Um, okay. Back to business. Okay, sorry that I interrupted you with my little anecdote. Yeah, nobody cares about that. (laughs) Today we are doing another episode of what we call the Free for All Winter Edition. Um, How it works is that Mom and I have both picked a book that we wanted to read, sort of. (laughs) At least that's how it starts. (laughs) That's how it's supposed to go. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about it. And we have also, more importantly opened up to you to send in your own book reports for a book that you have recently read, whether you liked it or not. But most of the time you guys send in ones that you liked, which just really grows everybody's TBR to dangerous heights. Um, okay. We love these episodes. We're excited to just get into it. We got, at first we did not have many and I was worried. A little panicky. But then you guys sent like a bunch today. So we're good. We're good to go. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go first, sort of. <laughs> um, here's the deal, you guys. What book did you read, Ellen? What book did you read? I read a book in the form of um, audiovisual... K-dramas. K-dramas. <laughs> um, here's the thing, you guys. I got a new Korean man crush. Um He's adorable, and he's going to be in a Marvels movie, and so I watched two of his shows. Um, The first is called What is Wrong with Secretary Kim, and um, it's basically an office romance, sort of, where this really um, high-powered CEO has this secretary that's been with him for nine years. She takes care of everything for him. He, like, you know, she's his right arm. And, um, then she just tells him one day that she's quitting and, you know, he has to find a replacement. And so he's like, what? She can't leave? And then in the process of realizing that she can't leave, he realizes that maybe he's in love with her. And then it's like, but also denying that he's in love with her. Okay. It's kind of like two weeks notice. Yes. It is a bit like that. Yes, it is. Hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is. There's, like, I mean, because most K-dramas have some sort of, like, mysterious melodrama plot, and that this one has that, because um, maybe these two are bound by more than just... Mm, they're really brother and sister, aren't they? <laughs> Listen, there was, there was, there's always a phase in a K-drama where you worry that. <laughs> Because they always have some, like, childhood connection that they don't remember. Or that one of them doesn't remember. Which, I don't want to spoil anything, but maybe that's what's going on here. Um, so. They both have trauma because, well, one of them has trauma because she was kidnapped. And she's trying to find this boy that she was kidnapped with. Oh, I see what's happening here. (laughs) Who who could it be? Um, anyway. So, um, that one was good. And then... Wait a minute. This sounds disturbing did she ever make it back to her family <laughs> yeah she, okay. they were both in this room with this woman for like i think it was like two days or something like that um and they got away and you don't know what happens for a while i won't spoil it just in case anybody sorry my dog is on there's neighbor our neighbors across the street got christmas lights that move around and it's really messing with my dog's head <laughs> He can't figure out what's going on. <laughs> He's not the sharpest deck. 
Um, uh, but because I liked that one, and more importantly, I liked the guy in it so much. That is more important. Um, <laughs> I was like, I might need to watch another one with this guy in it. And I found this one called for Fight for My Own Way. And basically, it's um, friends to lovers, which it's super cute. They're adorable. Um, he wants to be an MMA fighter. She wants to be an announcer. They are, they've been friends since childhood. Um, and maybe she has had like a little Is crush that, on him the whole way. Like a childhood aspiration. I want to be an MMA announcer. That's <laughs> what I'm going for. She doesn't necessarily want to be an MMA announcer. She wants to be an announcer like on TV. Okay. Like um, a journalist or a... Maybe she, yeah, that's kind of, I think that's kind of like a anchor kind of thing is what it seems like. Um, and kind of same deal. Like, you know, along the way, they realize that... Wait, do these have romance in them? Oh my gosh, Mom! Every single one <laughs> has romance! That's why it's amazing! I just wanted to see you go off your board. <laughs> That's why I get into them so heavily. Um, so, I liked both of those. He is very charming. So what you're saying is you didn't get a book read because you watched two K-dramas. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I took one day where I basically did nothing but watch K-dramas. Yeah, I know. I was here. My break. <laughs> and that's just what I needed mentally because I've got a lot of other stuff going on that I should have been doing on that day. Yeah, I know. I know I'm aware. But I didn't want to. Got I it. wanted to watch K-dramas. So that was what I did. Enough about me. <laughs> we'll get to mom in a bit. Um, but first, we're going to hear from some of you. First up to the deck or docket. To the plate. To the plate is Tiernan. So let's hear from Tiernan on what she has been reading. Hi, No Yomos. It's Tiernan here with my book report for the free-for-all. I recently read The Matchmaker's Lonely Heart by Nancy Campbell Allen, which is a Victorian London mystery romance. Here is the back cover description. Amelie Hampton is a hopeless romantic, which makes her the perfect columnist to answer lonely heart letters in the Marriage Gazette. When Amelie plays matchmaker with two anonymous lonely hearts, she also decides to secretly observe the couple's blind date. To her surprise, the man who appears for the rendezvous is Harold Radcliffe, a grieving widower and a member of Amelie's book club. Police detective Michael Baker has been struggling ever since his best friend and brother-in-law died in the line of fire. Because he knows the dangers of his job, he has vowed never to marry and subject a wife and family to the uncertainty of his profession. But when he meets Miss Hampton, he is captured by her innocence, beauty, and her quick mind. When a woman's body is pulled from the river, Michael suspects the woman's husband, Harold Radcliffe, of foul play. Amelie refuses to believe that Harold is capable of such violence, but agrees to help, imagining it will be like one of her favorite mystery novels. Her social connections and clever observations prove an asset to the case, and Amelie is determined to prove Mr. Radcliffe's innocence. But the more time Amelie and Michael spend together, the more they trust each other, and the more they realize they are a good team, maybe the perfect match. They also realize that Mr. Radcliffe is hiding more than one secret. 
and when his attention turns toward Amelie, Michael knows he must put an end to this case before the woman he loves comes to harm. I really enjoyed this book. I definitely got Miss Scarlet and the Duke vibes. For the free-for-all, I try to select a book I normally wouldn't pick up, and since I've read few romantic suspense mysteries, I thought I'd give it a try. I can't wait to hear what everyone else read and add some new titles to my TBR. Thanks. Thank you, Tiernan. Um, you should have seen the way Mom's ears perked up yeah. at Victorian mystery romance. This sounds like my jam. Yeah, definitely <clears throat> sounds like a mom jam. And how many books have we read lately with an Amelie in them? Because uh, we've had a couple. Yeah. Well, and I know we've had an author named. Oh wait. Oh, the daughter's the name. The daughter's name was yeah, Amelie, right. and then there was an Amelie, like, main heroine. Hmm. Um, but yes, that sounds delightful. Um, and color us intrigued. Yeah. I, last time we did this, I just sat and purchased books while we yeah, were she doing did. it. <laughs> so I'm going to have to start. So it's real dangerous to mom's Amazon yes. account. <laughs> I'm going to have to start purchasing books. Um, thanks again for tier- that for that Tiernan. Um, we have uh, that was Tiernan. Oh my gosh! With <laughs> the Matchmaker's Lonely Heart by Nancy Campbell Allen. Uh, next up we have Sarah. So let's hear what Sarah's been up to. Hi, No Yomos. It's Sarah R, and I'm reviewing The X Hacks by Aaron Sterling, who also writes under the name Rachel Hawkins. Never mix vodka and witchcraft is the first line of the book and sets the tone of the book very well. Vivian Vivi Jones had her young heart broken by Reese Penhallow, one of the descendants of the founders of the magical town Graves Glen, Georgia. Vivi drunkenly curses Reese, who has left Vivi because his family has betrothed him to a powerful witch family. Ten years later, Reese has come back to town to energize the magical ley lines in town. As soon as he crosses the border into Graves Glen, things start to go awry for Reese and the other magical residents of the town. Reese's presence in the town activates the ten-year-old curse. Reese and Vivi have to work together to reverse the curse. Being forced to work together reignites their romantic feelings. This is a cute, fluffy read. It's a short read, so it's a good pick if you're trying to finish your 2021 reading challenge goals. Happy reading. Thank you for that, Sarah. Um, yeah, I, Mom and I were actually looking at the Goodreads um, Choice nominees today, and that was the only one that I hadn't heard of. So I was like, huh, I wonder what this book's deal is. Yeah. Um, so it's good to hear some more about it. So that was Sarah with The X-Hex by Aaron Sterling. Next up, we have Ruthie. So take it away, Ruthie. Hello, everybody. This is Ruthie. And the book that I'm going to talk with you about is called The Smallest Moments by Jamie Bennett. And it just came out November 21st. Uh, This is not even the book that I was thinking that I was going to talk with you about. But um, I couldn't finish any of the ones that I thought would be cool. Like I started Mia Sheridan's Travis 
and I haven't read Archer's Voice in ages and ages and ages. Um, and I think I need to reread Archer's Voice to understand what's going on with Mia Sheridan. Okay, so back to Jamie Bennett. Um, I think Jamie Bennett is that author of that. I, I don't know if anybody knows who she is. She's written like 20 gazillion books in the last three years, and she doesn't seem to have any kind of a press team. If she's in the group, that would be really funny. Um, but I'm sure someone else has read her stuff. Um, her, her books are kind of like, I I think of it like Mariana Zapata (laughs) and let me just say meets Jane Austen, if I can say that. So they're modern. They always, a lot of them used to take place in Northern Michigan. Um, this last one, the smallest moments takes place in Chattanooga, but anyway, she did a lot in Northern Michigan. They always have this heroine who is it's and it's always from her point of view so you always get that thing where you've got the heroine and then you have the hero and he shows up and she pretty much always thinks that he hates her or he's not interested in her or he just thinks of her as a friend and then of course you know what's going on the whole time and then we have a really 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 slow burn um in the smallest moments our heroine her name is Emir, Emir, um, and I don't know if I'm saying it right. And she has an older brother uh, who she takes care of because, however many years ago it was, I've forgotten. They were in a car accident, and he had a brain injury. So even though he's the older brother, she has been working and taking care of them for a long time. Um, and that's a very, very consistent theme with Jamie Bennett's books. Um, there's always family members or people that are around our main character that she always tends to put them before herself. So usually the characters are smart and they are independent, but they're always taking care of everybody else first. And so the opening scene of this book, which I think is really interesting, caught my interest. Um, they are, she and her brother are eating in a restaurant and it looks like, like her brother grabs her hand and it looks like it's a boyfriend-girlfriend abusive situation. And Griffin, our tall, super swoony, uh, works as a mechanic, but he also does like art with welding, like pops over and he's like, what's going on here? And then he realizes they explain brother and sister, but he still kind of inserts himself in their life. And of course, Emir thinks that, oh, he's just so friendly and nice. Um, but of course, you know, we're watching. They're slowly falling in love. And just like Marianne is a potter, um, nothing happens until the end, but when you get to the end, it's not YA, <laughs> it's not suitable for young minds. You get everything at the end. Um, so it was another, I would say classic Jamie Bennett. Whenever they pop up on Kindle Unlimited, I always borrow them. I usually finish them in like a day. And then sometimes I kind of forget like what the story was about. I wouldn't say that this was like my absolute favorite of hers, but I'm always happy to have read her stories. They always let me escape for a few hours. Um, I would say Soft and Low, um, The Smallest Part. Those are some of my favorites. And she often does a lot that are sports romance. And then like Griffin makes you think he's like this huge football player, but he's not. But he's that kind of type of hero. So I hope somebody, um, somebody else who's heard of Jamie Bennett can pipe up with some other books that they like of hers. And if you haven't heard of her, go check out 
um, something that she's written. And I've missed you guys. I'm so glad to be uh, doing a recording and I can't wait to hear what everyone else is reading. Thank you for that, Ruthie. Um, I'm pretty sure we've mentioned this before, but I just, I love the way Ruthie spins the yarn. <laughs> well, and I will say, I was, because I'm looking these up as we were talking about them, it is on Kindle Unlimited, like she said. So if you are, you know, have that. Of, of that. If uh, you have ilk. access to that, it's a yeah. freebie. So go well, read it. Freebie in, in a way. In a way. Um, yeah, I have not ever heard of Jimmy Bennett and just like always baffles me that there's so many so many romance writers out there man that we haven't heard of because i mean we literally do this many of them as a thing yeah um but thank you for that ruthie again that was ruthie with the smallest moments by jamie bennett um where we appreciate you for contributing she said she was happy to contribute appreciate <laughs> thank you for your contribution <laughs> and listeners like you thank you <laughs> um next up we have Paige. let's hear what Paige has been reading hey ellen and mom it's Paige h and i just want to say that i had such a fun time being on the podcast it was so awesome you guys are the best and thank you again for having me on and also thank you everyone who commented it was so nice, and I'm sorry I didn't reply. I was going to, but then I didn't do it fast enough, and I felt kind of weird, so yeah. Anyways, <clears throat> thank you, everybody, and I am also sorry I've been MIA. I just have had a difficult time reading the past couple of months, but anyways, I wanted to get my act together so I could send in a book report, and so I'm going to talk about Twisted Love by Anna. I think it's Anna. I don't know if she goes by Anna or Anna, so Anna Huang is the first book in the Twisted series. I found her on Instagram. I saw her TikToks that were teasing her book Twisted Games, which is the second book in the series, and I've just been really intrigued and wanted to read it, but I am a procrastinator, so so I don't really always read books when I want to. But I decided that I should try to check her out now and like kill two birds with one stone with finally reading her and getting my book report in. So I did decide to read the first book first because I tried to read in order if I can. And also it is the brother's best friend trope, which is one of my faves. I love that trope. And... Yeah, so I was really excited to read it. I had such a good time with this book. I've been struggling before, as I mentioned, to read and just wanting to read, and I had no problems with Twisted Love. It was a wild roller coaster of a ride. There's so many twists and turns, and I would guess a twist, and like, but no, that's not gonna happen. And then it did, and I was just like, OMG, that is wild. But I should probably tell you about the plot now. So the heroine is Ava Chen, and her brother josh is a medical student and he's going to central america for a year to help out there and because of some things that happened to her in her childhood which you will find out about but i'm not going to tell you because no spoilers here and josh asks his best friend alex to watch over her Alex agrees because he's a good friend, even though he is very cold and controlled. Like, if you need a comparison, he's like Scotty from Managed. Although he's definitely more intense than Scotty, 
I do have to say, I don't think this is a book that you will like, Mom. Okay, Ellen, you might. But anyways, he agrees. And Ava, she has, like, a group of three friends. And her best friend, Jules, notices that Alex actually has some emotions around Ava and so she comes up with this plan operation emotion and she's trying to get Ava to pull emotions out of Alex but it doesn't really ever work in the way she wants but you really get to see Alex's sweet side though he goes pretty hard too so that's why I also think that mom that you won't like this but I don't know so it's really steamy and hot but There's a lot of sweetness and playfulness to it, too. There's also kind of dark, mystery, suspense-type things, so just beware. But it's a fun time. So if you like Brother's Best Friend, if you like Starchy Hero Gets Unstarched, you will definitely love Alex. He can be a bit of a turd, I gotta warn you, but he really cares about Ava, and he's really awesome with Ava for the most part. So I really loved it. It was such a great book and I can't wait to read more. I will talk to you guys later. Bye. Thank you for that, Paige. Um, yeah, we were getting a little too mom book friendly, a mom book centric. <laughs> so it's about time that somebody comes through with a steamy brother's best friend for Ellen. <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds, um, that sounds up this gal's alley. So um, I might, I might, I might have to check that out. I did look it up because that's what I've been doing. Yeah, there isn't a Kindle edition that I can see. Why? Well, I, I don't. Yeah, that, I gotta. Who? Why do they do that? I don't get us? that in this day and age that you would publish a book and not have a Kindle edition. But well, I know Amazon is kind of. I mean, Amazon. I'm not. I'm not talking bad about you. I would never. Um, <laughs> but you know, I hear all hail to Amazon. The, <laughs> maybe um they don't work out the best deals with their authors so um that wouldn't surprise me yeah stupid amazon um not that we would ever talk bad about you at amazon no (laughs) all praise be to amazon (laughs) um again that was page with twisted love by anna huang i'm gonna say that's probably how you anna um so, thank you for that, Paige. Um, next up, we have Natalie. Let's hear from Natalie on what she has been reading. Hi, this is Natalie, and my book for free for all is Every Day in December by Kitty Wilson, which is this beautiful, slow burn, transformative friendship that slowly morphs into more. Um, Belle works dead end jobs while working on her passion project, adapting Shakespeare's plays and sonnets for schools. She's the daughter of a celebrity, who, a man who dismisses and ignores her while favouring her younger sister. Meanwhile, her old university classmate Rory is grieving the loss of his girlfriend five years previously, which led him to escape to Australia. Their paths cross again when Rory, a reputation management consultant, returns to UK on family business and is hired by Belle's father to fix his reputation after Me Too complaints. Rory just can't help but feeling drawn to Belle, but you see the push-pull of his growing feelings towards her as he feels the guilt and pain of the loss of his girlfriend. Meanwhile, Belle, whose relationships have always been short-term losers, is drawn to the kindness, consideration and just general loveliness of Rory, but she too is feeling the push-pull as she feels unworthy of real love but can also recognise Rory's pain. It's a slow burn story, yet none of the writing feels like it's laboured or boring. 
and it's dual point of view so you hear from both sides and um, what made this book refreshing for me was watching their growth in action and how they boost each other they both learn to give and receive unconditional love even though it pushes both of them to face up to their feelings and fear of rejection it was just a master class in communication one of my favorite scenes which was really swoony was seeing a more matured bell not run away but just gently call in Rory's poor behavior towards her when he's running away from his own feelings and she sort of recognizes how to stand her ground while leaving space for him and his grief even when he's hurt and upset which mum you will probably love because she confronts things and doesn't leave things to you know no communication um overall reading every day in december was like slowly being warmed up on a cold day i love this book so much that i bought not only my own copy but the audiobook as well thank you for that natalie um yeah, that sounds good. And communication. I'm all about the communication. Weirdly, the title of this book is very similar to the title yeah, of the book I, know, I read. Um, <laughs> yes. Mom read a book very similarly titled. I had to double check with mom to see if uh, we had some doubli- doubling up here. Um, I hate to always call attention to our accented friends, but I could just listen to Natalie forever. It was so adorable. You guys have the cutest accents. Um even you like Midwesterners. I, I, I love to hear. Does anyone sit and think we have cute accents? No. Come on. <laughs> Nothing about us is cute. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Speak uh, for yourself. <laughs> um, that sounds delightful, Natalie. And yes, here, here for good communication in romance yes. novels, especially when it's pulled off well. Um, so that was Natalie with Every Day in December by Kitty Wilson. Uh, next up. We have another accented friend, Miriam. So let's hear from Miriam. Hi, it's Miriam here. Um, so, so the last times that I've done the free for all, I always did a report on a book I'd read before. Um, so even if I left it last minute, as I usually do, I knew already that I liked the book. But this time I didn't have any in mind and it, it came around so fast. So um, on Friday, I got an email from the library about a book I'd had a hold on, um, Miss Latimer's Letter by Suzanne Allain. And uh, I decided that I was going to just do the report on that one, whether I liked it or not. And I wasn't sure going in how I would feel. I'd heard about her earlier book, Mr. Malcolm's List, because it was being filmed at an estate outside Dublin. And I wanted to know what it was about this Regency romance that warranted it being adapted over so many others. I'm not sure, um, but it might have been a script first. Anyway, it was grand, but it didn't seem to be particularly special, or, or maybe I wasn't in the best mood for it. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely going to go see the movie whenever it comes out. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, that's a long preamble to say that I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this one. So Sophie, our heroine, is a gasp 28 year old spinster living with her aunt and 18 year old cousin and pretty much just a chaperone for her cousin who's having her first season at a ball she overhears a conversation between a couple where the girl is explaining that she loves the guy but her mother is pressuring her to marry a lord sophie knows of a girl lucy who's in love with lord fitzwalter the lord in question and decides to send him an anonymous letter and soon enough lord fitzwalter and lucy are engaged as well as the other couple. And when the identity of the letter writer becomes known, Sophie's quiet, ordered life is turned upside down too. And this 
could be the case of right book, right time, but I was really charmed by this one. It, it was like having like a really dainty piece of confectionery that was just right. Um, it was very light touch. There was nothing overwrought about it. And believe me, there are plenty of times when that's just what I exactly what I would like to read. But it's nice to read something light too. And um, by light, like it's it's not farcical or too hijinxy. Um, I mean, kind of vague, but I feel like if I start talking too much about the plot, this will get to be too long. And it's not even that long of a book, but there's a lot going on. Um, I've been read loads of historicals lately, though. I would definitely say that it's not written in the usual um, modern historical style, if you get what I mean. It, it just seems kind of more old fashioned. Um, there's also there's a lot of Austin references. There's the disappointment 10 years earlier and reappearance of that suitor. So, um, spoiler alert, he's not the hero, but it won't take you as a romance reader too long to figure that out since he courted her, broke her heart um, when he married a richer woman and he's now a widower with two kids. Though in the world of the book, you understand why Sophie would consider him as she's dependent on her aunt and feels it might be her last chance to marry. There's the grand dame and her nondescript daughter. There's the story told by a rival that puts the hero in a bad light and the letter that clears up the misunderstandings when everything seems to be lost. There are side stories involving people um, all coming to Sophie to get advice as a result of the letter. And okay, maybe it does get a bit hijinxy at the end, but I love the line, Sophie, I would chase down a dozen eloping lovers for you. And yeah, I'd say I'm going to reread it again from the beginning before I hand it back. I enjoyed it that much. Um, okay, I'm going to finish up here just so I can get this in on time. Uh, looking forward to the episode as always. Thank you for that, Miriam. Um, yes, interesting. So I have some um, context here. So Mr. Malcolm's List was a script first. I didn't know that it had ever been made into a book if that's the case um what it was is there was this there's this podcast and um thing in LA called the black the blacklist blacklist table reads and they basically do table reads of scripts that they they deem to be the best unproduced scripts out there and Mr. Malcolm's List was one of the scripts that the stage show did and then um, they put on a podcast. And um, my cousin, knowing that I am a period drama whore, um, she recommended it to me and um, I listened to it and it's, it is, it's charming. And I know that they, I had heard that they were making a movie of it. Um, the, if you want to, the podcast is pretty good. It's, um... The girl who plays the, I don't remember who plays the lead guy, but the girl is, um, oh, Rose McIver, the girl from iZombie. Is that her mom? Is that her name? Uh, I would know better than you. Um, are you? The girl from iZombie and the princess, the Netflix Christmas movies. Um, anyway, she's, she played the lead. I'm pretty sure if I remember that correctly. So, um, I, um, I didn't realize that this, because I've seen this Miss Lattimore's letter, um, floating around on Goodreads, and I didn't realize that they were tied together by that. Well, there's two movies of it on IMDb. 
Oh, really? Of Mr. Malcolm's List. One has Gemma Chan. Oh, that one was a web short, I think. Okay. But the movie that's coming out next year has Theo James. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Frida Pinto. Oh. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, uh, interesting. I'm... I might, I might have to check that out, Miriam. Um, so, again, that was Miriam with Miss Lattimore's Letter by Suzanne Elaine. Um, so, we appreciate you, Miriam. Uh, next up, we have Maida. Uh, let's hear from her on what she has been reading. Hi, everyone. So, sometime during the early summer when we were reading for uh, those books, someone posted that there was a free download of The Deal, which was one of the summer books. I had never read any L. Kennedy or sports romance or new adult, but I downloaded it to read along. And for some reason, I just really, I really enjoyed the story. I liked Garrett and Hannah and the the way it was written and was just kind of like um, uh, an escape. So I read that one and I wanted to read the next one. I read The Mistake, which follows Logan, Garrett's friend. And at the beginning of the story, he has a crush on Hannah and is trying to get over it, ends up meeting this other um, freshman girl named Grace. And they go out uh, a few times and are fooling around. And he realizes that he's kind of only with her to be distracted from Hannah and ends it. And soon quickly realizes that that was a big mistake, but it's too late and Grace is already upset with him. So they are broken up for the summer. And there's a lot of other stuff going on in the story with his dad, who's alcoholic and not abusive, but um, makes a lot of bad mistakes. And Logan and his brother have to have to clean up after him. And Grace also has a friend who does similar things. So they end up getting together. The story is really um, cute and uh, sweet and funny in the end. I liked it a lot. So then I felt compelled to write the rest of the series, and so I read The Score, which is about Dean. It's maybe has less heart and is a little bit has a little bit too much extra scenes in it, and reading the final one, The Goal, which is about Tucker and, and this girl, Sabrina, who gets pregnant. And there's also a, a recently released novella series that came out about them and thankfully my library has ordered all of these books so I don't have to buy them and clearly someone else in my town has um, felt compelled to read these as well but um, yeah I don't know why but they're just kind of brain candy and escapist and um, I think a lot of the characters are a little bit caricatured so um, it just you know kind of is easy reading so if you're anyone's interested in finishing up the series um I would definitely recommend the mistake the next two are a little bit less good but you know I I'm not gonna judge you all right I appreciate you not judging me for reading that whole series as well um yeah I actually had a very similar journey a while ago um maybe even pre-podcast with uh that series where I read the first one because I heard it was good. And then I read the second one because I also heard that that one was good. And then I was like, well, I have to read the rest of them. And then I was like, 
I could have done without the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to read the rest of them. Um, but yeah, I remember thinking kind of the same thing that the first two were were pretty good and the I was neutral about the other two. Um, yes, we did read the the deal. Um, happy that you were reading along. And um I in a previous life also read the mistake. So I can I can also back up the mistake on that. <laughs> did you read any more of that series? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think you did either. Um, okay, so that was Meta with, um, The Mistake by L. Kennedy, and now, Mom, it's your time to shine. Tell us what you've been reading. I did read a book, unlike some people who I, just watch TV and read... But I read her, subtitles. Read subtitles. <laughs> um, I read... So I, in trying to figure out what I wanted to read for the free-for-all, I was actually going through some lists online and I was reading a list and it was romance rom-coms and I thought okay well that sounds like something I would enjoy reading Mm -hmm. so I was reading through the list and I found this book on this list of romance rom-coms and it was called One Day in December by Josie Silver yeah and um I read some of the description I thought this sounds like something I might like so I read the book and I did. I really, really liked it. However, I would not consider it a rom-com or a romance. <laughs> I'm not sure how it made it on this list. <laughs> well, it was probably written by not romance. <laughs> it was, I mean, there was romance in it, but, and I loved the setup, the premise, the setup is these two um, people, this gal's on a bus and she's, you know, and she's, I think she was like 20 mm-hmm. years old and she's in a bus driving home from work and she's been at her office Christmas party and she's beat and she looks out the window at a, bu- at a bus stop and sitting there is this guy and they just like, they make eye contact, sparks fly immediately She's just like, I got to know who this guy is. And he gets up to kind of, he decides he's going to get on the bus just because he wants to meet her. And the bus ends up closing its doors and leaving before he gets a chance to get on. And of course so it does. She falls in love with Busboy. And they spend, her and her roommate spend all their time for a year trying to find this guy. They, you know, in bars, anytime they're out and about. They're always looking for busboy because she just has decided that this is the love of her life. And um, in the meantime, her roommate meets a guy in an elevator, falls in love. He's the man she's going to marry, brings him home to meet her roommate. And it's busboy. But her roommate doesn't want to say anything because she's a I mean, her roommate has already said that she's in love with this guy and wants to marry him. So when she introduces the love of her life to her roommate, her roommate doesn't say anything about him being busboy. So I loved the setup. I loved the premise. The book it has an epic feel. It spans nine years. And I love the end. There's just a lot in between <laughs> in the nine-year course. There's marriages. There's divorces. There's deaths. There's, you know, uh, s- serious automobile accidents. There's all kinds of stuff that happens. And it's not always very easy to read. It's sometimes it's really depressing. Some, and the two of them, you know they're going to be the hero and heroine because it's a dual POV and they're the yeah. two POVs. 
but um and a lot of times they do things that really were irritating and made me really mad and I was like don't you too and um so I didn't it wasn't your typical romance vibe and it wasn't very rom-commy but um but I did enjoy the book I I enjoyed reading it and I enjoyed I got swept up in the story um but I don't think that the typical romance reader would count it as count it as a real romance yes so, yeah. but just as a sweeping kind of fun epic story, it was a good read. Okay. So I don't know how to classify it. <laughs> I don't want to say, I love this book. Everyone should go get it and read it because I'm not sure that everybody would appreciate it. But yeah. Um, okay. Is, so that, is that a fair rendition of that? I, um, I liked it. I kind of read through it pretty fast because I got swept up in it, but um, it wasn't always an easy read. It was kind of sad and angsty at times. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's mom with that. Sub- there's my book. In- endorsement. Not ringing endorsement. Do that. In- do with that what you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you said it was every day in, in, in December. December. One day. One. Nope. Gosh, dang it, Ellen. I know. You're I- supposed to remember these things. One day in December. Okay. Um, sorry, I've got... Too many December books. My- <laughs> well, and it kind of, because, I mean, it goes through, it kind of hits special dates. So you you get about three or four chapters a year out of okay. it. So. Um, okay. Thanks, Mom, for reading a book. If anyone else has read it, I'd be curious to know what other people thought of it. Yeah. Um, I Probably somebody else has read it because I saw it bouncing around. I think it came out last year. I saw that one bouncing around last year. So. It's not. I would definitely call it a, uh, I don't like the term women's fiction, but. A gromance. <laughs> a gromance. It's definitely a gromance. <laughs> I forgot that I came up with that. <laughs> they both grow a lot. In fact, he did so many, so many things that irritated me. I was just like, dude, come on, stop being such a dork. But um, yeah, there was a lot of gromancing going on. So <laughs> there you go. Um, all right. Thanks, mom, uh, for reading a book. So that one of us. <laughs> Yeah, one of us had one to. One of us had read a book. <laughs> it is a book podcast, yeah, Ellen. Yeah, whatever. Um, okay. Next up, we have uh, Laurie with her book. So let's hear from her. Hi, Ellen, Mom, and all the no yomos. This is Laurie, and I apologize in advance for my froggy voice. Um, I've got the cold that won't quit. <laughs> but I'm going to tell y'all all about um, Isn't It Romantic by Lissa K. Adams. Um, This is entry number four in the Bromance Book Club, and let me just start by saying, oh, how happy I am that the Russian finally got his own story, and what a story it was. Uh, Vlad, the big softy, deserved all the good things, and while the journey was a tough one, the HEA was definitely earned. Uh, This is a a second chance love story, which is not a trope I usually enjoy, but it was done really well here. These two characters have a long and complicated history that goes back to their childhood in Russia, um, and they're brought back together by circumstances that are unexpected and quite honestly a little bit heartbreaking. But the story has a little bit of a lot of things. There's political intrigue and sports and poetry and cheese and over-involved friends and, of course, romance. And it sounds a little crazy, but it all worked for me. Our heroine, Elena, 
she's tough and she's strong, but she's tender and sweet as well. And honestly, unlike some of the earlier heroines in this series, I found her to be incredibly likable, even though there were moments that I absolutely wanted to shake her. Um, but meanwhile, there's Vlad, and he is the biggest gluten-free cinnamon roll ever. Um, I'm so glad he finally got the whole gastrointestinal thing under control, so this bo book wasn't just one big poop joke. But uh, the fact that he has so many friends who love him so much is a testament to what a fantastic and fully formed hero, this guy who was honestly just a one-note side character from book one, has turned out to be. His devotion to Elena was really beautiful. His efforts to provide for her and take care of her and even give her space was all rooted in selflessness. But, oh, could these two have done with a bit of honest communication? Because, boy, were they keeping some serious secrets. Yes, they're trying to protect each other and they each thought they were putting the other's needs and desires first. But so much could have been solved so much easier with just the tiniest bit of open dialogue. Um, I, I've been a reluctant reader of this series. I didn't really enjoy the heroines in the early books, but I have loved the romance book club concept from the start, and the relationships between the guys are absolutely fantastic. In my opinion, this is easily the best book in the series so far, so if you've read any of the other books, then this one I think is a must-read. Um, seeing the Russian as the hero was 100% worthwhile. So that is my take on Isn't It Bromantic by Lissa K. Adams. I'm excited to uh, hear what everybody else has read and hear all the other book reports for this free-for-all episode. Bye! Thanks for that, Laurie. Um, yes, we read the first book in the series. That's all I've read of the series. <laughs> you, Ryan, you haven't read any more. I haven't read any more of them. Yeah. I did love her throwing cheese out as a trope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down for that. Um, a cheese trope. Yeah. Um, I feel like that book is somewhat infamous now just because Ryan was on that episode. And um, I just remember him being really pissed off at her. Like, he really hated the heroine. Well, he really hated her sister. The mo Her sister was horrible in that book. Yeah. Um, but I remember him not, him really going in on her. Yeah. Which, in a way, came off as misogynistic, but... <laughs> But it was Ryan, and so he is super misogynist. Man. <laughs> no, he's not misogynistic. He's not. His um, wife wouldn't allow it. No, she would not. Um, so, yeah, I, I am intrigued because I do remember the Russian being a fun character. So I am intrigued at him getting his own book. Um, and I've heard that I should probably try and pick up this, this series again. Um, I was just kind of, like, lukewarm, I think, on the first one I think but I do remember being kind of the defender of it in that episode more than you guys were um okay thanks uh that was isn't it romantic by Lissa K Adams next up we have Catherine with what she has been reading in this special time of year <laughs> I love reading romance with Ellen and her mom this week I read a novella length rom-com Hi everyone, for this week's free-for-all, I read A Match Made for Thanksgiving by Jackie Lau. It's part of her Holidays with the Wongs series of novellas. I mistakenly thought it was going to be a book about U.S. Thanksgiving based on the title and cover, 
which revealed just how little I knew about Canadian Thanksgiving, so I did some research while reading. For example, traditional Thanksgiving foods are basically the same in the U.S. and Canada, with some minor variations, but it that does explain the cover. However, neither of the main characters' families served the traditional foods during this book. Also, Canadian Thanksgiving is on a Monday, so a family might decide to celebrate Thanksgiving on this Saturday, Sunday, or Monday of that three-day weekend, which is definitely reflected in this book. On to a match made for Thanksgiving. I mentioned in the last free-for-all that I love a meddling family trope. The Wong parents and grandparents take that trope to the next level, and I am here for it. Nick and Lily first meet at a bar in Toronto, where Nick overhears Lily musing about how hard it is to figure out how to have a one-night stand. He jumps at the chance to have a one-night stand with her, and they have an amazing, unforgettable time. And when Thanksgiving rolls around, sure enough, neither of them have forgotten about it. But Nick's parents and grandparents have a surprise up their sleeves when the four children come home for Thanksgiving. They've taken the liberty to set each of them up with Thanksgiving dates. And lo and behold, here comes Lily knocking on the door because she was invited to be a blind date for Nick's older brother, Greg. Dun, dun, dun. I loved this novella. I thought it was charming and fun. The Wong family antics were an absolute delight. Ama, Nick's grandma, was an, a particular favorite of mine, and the grandfather is really into buying things from Amazon, which is pretty funny. I also loved that the family got this wacky idea to set all their adult children up with dates and used the reused the format of romance novels as their guide. For example, they set up Nick with a pig farmer so that it could be the trope opposites attract since Nick is this big city guy. Um, But with Lily in the mix, there was no way Nick would be attracted to anyone else, his opposite or otherwise. This book will make you hungry for boba, dumplings, KFC, Nanamio bars, noodles, and lemon squares. The series follows each of the Wong siblings as they fall in love during the holidays. The second book is A Second Chance Road Trip for Christmas, which has a second chance relationship done really well and an only one bed snowed in scene. The third book is A Fake Girlfriend for Chinese New Year, and he's a teacher and she's a dentist, so even though they don't discuss it outright, It's cool to see representation of a relationship where the woman makes a lot more money than the man. The last book is A Big Surprise for Valentine's Day, which I have not read. My quibble with Nick and Lily's relationship actually comes up in book three when Nick has to explain his brother's romantic history for context in a conversation. I'm sorry, what? You've been dating half a year at this point and you haven't talked about your brother's love life? Okay, sure, you're that gossip-free. Clearly, you're definitely more noble than the rest of us plebeians. Yeah, right. I don't buy it. Overall, though, highly recommend 
This series is my favorite of what I've read of Jackie Lau so far, and I'll definitely continue reading even more of her books after this. A Match Made for Thanksgiving is my favorite from the Holiday of the Wong family series, but I did really enjoy the other two that I read as well. Also, A Match Made for Thanksgiving is available for free on Kindle right now. So if you need a quick holiday romance that's light, fun, and low on the angst, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, Happy Thanksgiving to everyone while I'm recording this. If you're in the United States, once this comes out, it will be Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah. So in the spirit of the holidays, Hanukkah, Christmas, American Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving already happened in October, but you know, I'm reading about it this week. I'm so thankful for y'all and for this podcast and for the light that this group has been in such a challenging, challenging year. I'm excited to hear what everyone else has read. I have my holds for the library ready. I have space to read all of the amazing books that y'all are recommending. So y'all take care. Bye-bye. Oh, thank you, Catherine. That took such a, a, a sweet turn. Um, and also, and we're grateful for you too. Yeah, we are grateful for you in particular, Catherine. <laughs> um, you guys are okay. <laughs> uh, also, Catherine, I really respect your you know rap game at, up at the front of the of the recording. Yeah. So thank you for that, Ellen. Being the rap artist that she is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, game respect game, right? Um, <laughs> Ellen's the fifty cent of, <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> of the podcast between the two of us. <laughs> She's the best rapper. Between the two of us, I have more street cred. <laughs> that goes without saying. I don't know. <laughs> Please. <laughs> don't you dare step up to me. Um, but uh, that book sounds fun and yeah. delightful. And um, yeah, I mean, I do need to try and, I don't know how or when this is going to happen, but I do need to get some more books done. I literally went in and lowered my... <laughs> Yeah, mom. My mom challenge. Cheated. I did. I went in and changed my challenge number because I just knew it was. She be. changed it to like three books away from what she is right now. Well, that's true. Cheater. Um. <laughs> well, so I'll surpass it. I don't have a problem with that. But I knew I wasn't going to get the twenty-three books that I. So you cheated in one month. So you cheated. Um, I don't think it's cheating. I think it's just readjusting my goals. <laughs> readjusting the expectations <laughs> I set for myself. Um, that was Catherine with A Match Made for Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving, by Jackie Lau. Um, next up, we have the dynamic duo missing their th- third amigo. What? Um, of Jessica and Megan, who are also filling us in on Jason's thoughts. So let's hear from them. Hi, no Yobos. This is Megan, Jason, and Jessica. With an absent Jason. <laughs> uh, he uh, had a conflict and couldn't record with us today, but he did read this book with us as part of our ongoing bonkers book list. And so uh, we we know his thoughts and feelings and <laughs> we're going to share them whether he wants us to or not. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you get hooked up with us. We just decide. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read the description of our book. Um, our latest read was Sweet Temptation by Cora Riley. 
It is an arranged marriage standalone mafia romance, <laughs> uh, which is a book that I added to the list because I had read it before and uh, neither Jason or Jessica had really read any big uh, mafia romances and I've read quite a few dark romances and so uh, we put this on the list. I, I'm going to do read the actual description, um, back cover description. And then we'll share our thoughts and feelings. I am going to disclaimer before I even read the back to cover description in that, mom, this is not the book for you. There is a big age gap. Mom, yeah, don't read this, mom. Mom won't be a fan. So there's the first disclaimer. Um, here we go. So. The first time Cassio met his fiance, she called him Sir. After losing his wife, Cassio is left to take care of two small children while trying to establish his rule over Philadelphia. Now he needs a mother for his children and someone who can warm his bed at night. But in a traditional world as his is, choosing your wife is a duty, not pleasure. Rules have to be followed, traditions heeded. That's how he ends up with a woman, a girl, barely of age. She might not be what he and his children need, but she's Wicked, lovely, and a sweet temptation he can't resist. Julia always knew she'd marry a man her father chose for her, only she never expected to be given to someone so much older. Suddenly, she's supposed to be a mother to two small children when she hasn't even held a baby in her life. Julia quickly realizes that Cassio isn't interested in a relationship on equal footing. Her mother always warned her that men of power like Cassio don't tolerate insolence. Yet, tired of being treated as a nanny and a clueless child bride, Julia decides to fight for her vision of a happy family. They kind of leave out a big part of the reason that she's kind of terrified of him in the beginning is because the rumors are about his dead wife is that he killed her so yeah, and is, yes yeah I think another big point to mention is that when the wife dies the first wife dies uh they're literally at the funeral and everyone is saying who are you going to marry next and they're trying to set him up with Julia and she is 17 when they're trying to like arrange the marriage they don't get married until she's 18 but it's definitely uh, a little ick for for some situations so yeah and this is not like this is now times this is not historical where even right. though that is still icky it's sort of more accepted or whatever but right. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that that is definitely not a mom zone situation and he feels icky about he doesn't like it he thinks yeah. so I think that is like the one thing that makes you feel like okay about it that's like the reason I felt okay about it is that he's like get out of here you guys are crazy she's too young that's not happening um yeah and it takes him a long time to agree to it even though like his mob boss whatever I can't remember what they call them yeah is like wants him to do it um which is so that's like a lot of pressure and he still kind of drags his feet a little bit yeah I think it's he's, considered his boss because he's like the because oh, he's the he's an underboss of underboss right yeah so anyway, but take it away, Jessica. <laughs> oh, yes. So my feelings. So, you know, we all added bonkers books to this list and um, and some of them none of us had read before, but we just knew they were bonkers or based on the, um, you know, when the cover has a Kraken on it, you know, it's going to be bonkers. <laughs> um, but this is one that Megan had read before. And, you know, as you know, from the dark one that we did a few times back, Megan likes these dark, you know not violent, but just like big heroes who are like tough and gritty. 
And so Jason and I definitely and got some enjoyment in teasing her a little bit about that because I don't think that these uh, sort of like dark MC mafia heroes are for Jason and I. We're sort of like, <laughs> what are these guys all about? So he was very possessive, which was a turnoff for me. He, She wasn't even allowed to dance with other single men at the wedding because he would like kill them if <laughs> he thought there was something going on there. And um, so that was like a little bit ugh, icked me out a little bit. And then, you know, the age gap did not ick me out as much as it normally would because he didn't like it. And because he didn't do any of the things that sometimes I think authors do when there's a big age gap, which is gross, which is like use really diminutive nicknames like baby or little girl or dad, you know, call me daddy or anything like that, because um, he didn't do any of that. So that helped with the age gap. Sometimes I would kind of forget that she had that age gap because they wrote her a little bit more mature than I think a 17 year old would 18 year old would be. But also she grew up in a mafia family where like people die all the time and all kinds of crazy stuff happens. So that could be why she is more mature. Um, the kids were, you know, interesting. I think that he, you know, the story was okay. It was fine. Um, the thing that was a little bit unbelievable, I'm going to go ahead and spoil, like Jason mentioned when we were kind of chatting about it, that, um, you know, he's so violent and like tortures people and, you know, rules with an iron fist and like kills everybody at work every day. And then he comes home and he's like a sweet, you know, like smooching all over his kids and yeah. like want to play with them and just like a sweet sweetheart at home. And he's just like, I don't buy that. So that was a little bit hard for him to believe. Um she was the best part of the book. I felt like she just really was like, okay, well, I got to figure this out. And she figured out pretty quickly that something very damaged. I think she, for the most part, did not believe the rumors that he killed his wife, although she did believe him capable of it. But she knew that something traumatic had happened because the little boy was not speak and the baby was just a baby. But so she realized that like there was something that she had to do to heal this family. And I think she was really smart in the way she approached it. So that was good. And there were some pacing issues with the book. Like once they got, once they were like in a good place in their relationship, then the book kept time hopping to like mm -hmm. five years in the future and then another six years in the future. And so that was kind of weird. So it seemed like I wasn't sure what the point of that middle hop was because I don't really remember anything substantive happening there. And then like the major external conflict happens at that last time hop, um, which I think they've been married for like 13 years or something at that point. So anyway, overall, it was like a three star for me, maybe. And um, I'm not sure mafia books are for me, but that was the whole point of doing this crazy bonkers list. So we could see what interesting things we might like. Exactly. Yeah. I, um, for a mafia book, I, I, I like it. It's like a three and a half, four for me. Um, Cause I, I like it more than a three, but I like these kind of books. Um, but you can't do a three and a half rating on Goodreads. So I've, I bumped it up to a four. Um, so if you like mafia books or dark romance, I'd say this is a good one. We will, <laughs> we have to preface or not preface post whatever. Uh, Jason accidentally read the wrong book first. So he was very caught up in that storyline. So <laughs> and I think it was also kind of happening parallel. Some of the events in that book were happening parallel to events in this book. And so he kind of uh, mixed up some of the things. It was pretty funny. We were all laughing at him because he usually finishes first because he'll like read it overnight while he's working. And then um, we have to catch up. And uh, it was pretty funny because 
what he realized when we were talking about the characters um, that he was reading the wrong book. So, yeah, it was pretty funny. I got up in the morning and did our, my morning like, okay, I started the book, guys, on Marco Polo. And then he's like, wait a second, I read the wrong book. <laughs> yeah. So I would say if you like Mafia, um, if you like dark romance, um, and she is very like coming of age romance for her. Um, and I think she turns out to be a, a good character. And I, yeah, I she does really stand up her. for herself too. She's finally she like, does. I don't care if you think that you have power over me. Like, yeah, this is what's she's happening. not a doormat, but she is loyal to the family, meaning her family, like her and, and her husband and their kids, like that, that is her family and she's gonna be loyal to them and do what's right for them. And, and, um, there's a moment at the end with the external conflict when you're like, oh no, is he going to question her loyalty? But everything works out perfectly. It, it, it goes the way you want it. So if you were yeah. a little scared of that, um, it's not. But yeah, no, I do like the uh, the scary and then they're all sweet. I, so I like what Jason didn't like about it. <laughs> but not in real life. Please know in real life. Um, so anyway, yeah, Jason said he needed to reevaluate uh, my dating life after reading this book. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but that was our feelings. I think Jason three, three, three and a half started um, as well. So our next book is we weren't finished in time with it because um, we're a little early, but it's called The Kraken's Mate, guys. So <laughs> stay tuned for our Goodreads rating on that if you follow us on Goodreads. <laughs> Yes. If you ever need bonkers recommendations, we, we have got them. We have them. <laughs> All right. Bye, Ellen and Mom. Thank you. Bye, guys. All right. Thank you, Jessica and Megan, and peripherally Jason, Jason. through proxy. <laughs> through proxy. Um, yeah. That does that. There's so many things about that that make it sound. <laughs> Not a mom book. No. Um, I, I have, I've read, I think like a couple mafia books. I, I just mainly get it. Like they're all kind of, uh, I kill people and I do bad things, but she just brings out the good person in me. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I just don't, I don't love the like, I can almost deal with an age gap when it's like she's 30 and he's 50 I can almost deal with that but an age gap of a 17 year old and I don't I don't remember how old you said he was but anytime it's an age gap with a teenager I have a huge issue with that yeah yeah I don't think I could get behind that yeah um yeah, Megan, you've got your uh, listen, and I've looked at Megan's Goodreads before. She does have she does have a type of book that she likes. Um, so thank you for that, uh, Jessica and Megan. Again, that was Sweet Temptation by Cora Riley. Next up, we have Jen with what she's been reading. Hi, No Yomos. It's Jen here for another book report. I was going to do my book report on a Catherine Center novel because I'm addicted to her books. But last week, the Goodreads Choice Award nominees came out. And I, of course, checked the romance category. And I've read all of them except for this book, which I hadn't even heard of. It's called Seven Days in June, and it's by Tia Williams. 
So I was lucky. I got it from the library right away. And I read it and I loved it. Like it's a really great book. I'm going to read the little blurb it has from the book just so to give you an idea what it's about. Seven days to fall in love, 15 years to forget, and seven days to get it all back. From the author of The Perfect Fine, this is a witty, romantic, and sexy as hell new novel of two writers and their second chance at love. This is a great second chance romance. I haven't read a second chance romance this good for a long time. I really liked it. So our heroine is Eva and she's a vampire erotica author and she's written a huge series, uh, 14 books in her vampire erotica series Cursed. And her 15th book is due and she has total writer's block. She, she's got nothing. <laughs> and also they're making a movie out of her book. So she, and she's, so she's a single mom. Her daughter is 12 and really cute. She's a lot of comic relief. She, her daughter likes to read a lot of psychology books and practice <laughs> therapy on her classmates uh it's she's adorable then our hero is Shane he is an author as well he writes literary fiction he's won an award he's only won four books but it, but people are obsessed with him he's like a recluse he doesn't really give interviews. He says as little as possible and he kind of only appears when he has a book to come out and he does very stilted interviews and then he's away in the shadows. <laughs> so people are obsessed with him and they love his books. And and so there, Eva and Shane haven't seen each other for 15 years. When they meet, it it is crazy like the attraction the 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 <laughs> it just jumps off the page they were like almost literal fireworks when <laughs> they finally see each other after 15 years it's great so this book works uh, in two timelines cuz we don't know what happened in high school so you're getting a bit of what's happening now and then they switch back and forth to high school and now uh, I'm just going to say the high school stuff, it, well, it was definitely bonding. It, it was um, very dark stuff <laughs> happened to them. So you get this funny light bits that also mixed with real deep emotional problems. So this book, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those books that are going to make you laugh and make you cry. Um, but I, it's that's my favorite kind of book that has has all the emotions. I don't want to say too much more. Uh, it's great if you can go into this book blind, and go on the journey that the author wants you to go on. It's it's really amazing. So overall, I just want to say it's a beautiful second chance romance. The author is has great banter, a lot of humor, 
but discusses a lot of really deep, hard issues as well. So check it out. It's it's a great book. Thanks for that, Jen. Um, yeah, that's another one that I've obviously seen bouncing around a bit. Um, I think it was, I was telling mom, I'm pretty sure it was like a Oprah or a Reese Witherspoon book club pick or something like that. It's Oprah Daily, Good Housekeeping, Travel and Leisure, Bustle and Essence. All are, these are all, you know, most anticipated book by. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, so I've seen it bounce around, but I hadn't heard from anybody who had read it. So, um, that's good to know that you enjoyed it. Um, if I, when I get a life again, maybe I'll get around to it. <laughs> um, so again, that was Jen with Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. Next up, we have first time caller, Gail. Oh. Let's hear from Gail. Hi, my name is Gail. This is my first time uh, calling in, and I wanted to talk today about um, The Ties That Tether by Jane Agarro. Um, this is a book that I got through the Book of the Month Club last year and just read it finally this year, and it is the story of a um, woman named Azere, who is um, Nigerian. Her family immigrated to Canada um, after her father died when she was 12. She had always promised that uh, her father, that she would marry a Nigerian man and carry on her heritage. And her mother is um, a very devout Christian Nigerian and has made her promise that she will you know, stay a virgin until she's married and marry a Nigerian man. So her mother is constantly trying to push her to marry a Nigerian and setting her up on dates with Nigerian men, um, but all of them flop. And so she is on a flopped uh, date uh, after it's over, just kind of hanging out at the bar at a restaurant where she meets Raphael. And he is um, also comes from an immigrant family in Canada, but his family interest immigrated from Spain. So he is a white man, but he and um, Azari start talking and they hit it off and they have a one night stand at his hotel. And so they part ways and she kind of runs out. She doesn't really, she really wants it to be a one night stand. Um, I think that Raphael was disappointed that she left without, you know, giving him more information about herself. But of course, as luck would have it for purposes of the novel, um, he's in town for a job interview and he uh, gets the job and becomes co-workers with Azere. So um, now they have to figure out what they're going to do because they've already had this relationship. Um, and so they continue to be attracted to one another and to flirt. Um, and then Azere discovers that she is pregnant. So... Um, this is about where I'm going to stop with the synopsis because I think this is all the pertinent information that you need for the story. Um, and it's, uh, I really loved the story. Um, you know, I love the fact that, you know, Raphael and Azari have this like common immigrant experience, even though, um, you know, Azari really just can't see past the fact that he's a white man and she, you know, has promised to marry a Nigerian 
And so Raphael is just not appropriate for her to marry because he's white, um, or really to be in a long-term relationship, you know, introduce him to her mother and her family and all of that stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, she continues to be attracted to him, and he's very attracted to her as well uh, and wants to get to know her. Of course, he ha has his own baggage coming into their relationship, um, and that's something that is an important part of the story. But, um, yeah, it just was, the writing is so good. Um, you know, it's just the kind of story that you just want to keep reading and reading to find out what's going to happen and how this is going to work out. You know, even though it is sort of a, um, you know, familiar trope of two people who are not, you know, who are divided because, you know, they just can't have a future together. Um, but uh, it's just a great story. Um, it's it's a little less uh, traditional romancy in that, um, you know, you can expect that there is uh, a little more drama, I think, than you'd find in your typical romance. Um, but it just makes for a really good story. So I hope that you'll give it a try. Um, I know that the author just had another book come out this year. Uh, very recently this fall, I think, called The Sweetest Remedy, which is a little bit of reverse twist on The Ties That Tether, where we have a girl whose uh, father is Nigerian and her mother is Canadian, and she was born and raised in Canada, and she decides to make a trip to Nigeria to learn about her father's family. Um, and I'm really looking forward to reading that one, too. So I hope that you will give Jane Agaro a try, because I think that she's a really great um, upcoming author that you will enjoy. Thanks, Gail. Um, Gail, something tells me that you also have a dog that <laughs> likes to make noise when you're trying to record things. Or someone's in there panting. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that that was making me smile. Um, yes, this was a book that um, showed up on our Beginner's Guide to Romance. And maybe, Gail, it was you who submitted it. Um, and... Uh, first of all, I love the cover. The cover is like yeah. gorgeous. Um, and here's here's the thing that when because when you said the the plot, I realized, huh, maybe I have a thing for pregnancy plots because I as soon as you said she's pregnant, I was like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> I you know like I know a lot of people hate. I know this isn't a secret baby necessarily. I know a lot of people like that's like their least favorite trope is secret baby. I kind of love secret baby. <laughs> Mainly because Secret Baby always brings out the, like, really emotional, like, father instincts in the men. And um, I, I like that. I'm into that for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, yeah, that sounds really good. And That sounds good. Um, you're right. Maybe we will have to give it a try. Um, that so, would be a good one for the podcast. It would. Um, all right. Thanks, Gail. That was Gail with Ties That Tether by Jane Agaro. Uh, next up we have Cassie with what she has been reading. And I really want to read this one. So sell me, Cassie. Or further <laughs> sell me, I guess. Hi, No Yomos. It's Cassie. And the book I want to recommend is Window Shopping by Tessa Bailey. 
It's a Christmas romance, and the hero is inspired by Ted Lasso. I haven't watched the show yet because I've been avoiding paying for another streaming service, um, but I absolutely have to watch the show after reading this book. Um, so in this book, Aiden is the hero, and he's a buttoned-up cinnamon roll who owns a high-end department store in Manhattan, and he hires Stella, the heroine, who was recently released from prison um, to style and decorate his store's Christmas window displays. Aiden and Stella are very attracted to each other, but Aiden struggles with the power imbalance that would exist in the relationship, and Stella is worried that she's not worthy of Aiden because of her past. Uh, they don't stay apart for long, though, and when they come together, the sparks fly. Since this is a Tessa Bailey book, our bow tie wearing hero is an epic dirty talker, and the spicy scenes are next level. <laughs> But what I love most about this book was the development of the relationship between Aiden and Stella. The book is under 250 pages, and I thought it did a great job of balancing the romance and the spice. Um, and it also included some fun side characters that I really enjoyed. I like this book a lot. I gave it five stars. I definitely recommend it if you're looking for a quick read to put you in the holiday spirit. And I can't wait to hear what everyone else recommends. Okay, bye. Okay, sold. <laughs> really, just that Ted Lasso descriptor, like, uh, uh, I'm in, you know? And Tessa Bailey, dirty talking Ted Lasso, uh, so in. <laughs> Sorry, you just got to picture Jason Sudeikis all the time? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Sue me. Um, <laughs> and go watch Ted Lasso. Yeah, Cassie. Cassie, Cassie, Cassie. You really need to get on that train. Um, do, honestly, do the free trial for, like, I think they have, like, a seven-day free trial. You can bang through uh, Ted Lasso. I, I would like to, kindly. Um, <laughs> you want to bang through Ted Lasso. <laughs> I want Ted Lasso to bang through you. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Um, but, yeah, you can do that show in seven days. No problem. I think I've done the first season two times in one day, so... Anything is possible, Cassie. Um, yes, that one is definitely... I think that one is definitely going to get read at before the end of the year. Yeah. It's going to happen. Um, so that was Cassie with Window Shopping by Tessa Bailey. Um, and then last but not least, we have Arthur. So let's um, hear from Arthur on what he has been reading. Take it away. Hi, Ellen, Mom, and listeners. This is Arthur. My book report for the free for all is titled that came out back in August, Fresh by Margot Wood. It's been marketed as a young adult, but it feels much more like a new adult coming of age story. And it follows the main character, Elliot, and it, just, it, go, it goes through the whole first year that she spends at Emerson College, which is actually the college that the author attended. And I just, I really loved this book. I think one of the things I loved about it, about it is just how believable it is. Because Elliot, when she goes to Emerson, she does, she does not have her whole life together. Her plan is just to party and get it on with people of all genders and just have fun. And she doesn't even declare a major, which ended up backfiring on her once she pretty much failed all of her classes. But despite all that and, you know, her flaws, you know, you're still rooting for her just because she's so energetic and just over the top and hilarious. And she even has, you know, she, she'll, she'll often 
talks to, directly to the reader. And I love how Margot Wood just puts all of these little footnotes all over the book. And the jokes are just absolutely hilarious. And this book will definitely change the way you think of the term tender chicken. And as I was saying, all of the stuff that happens in this book is, is very believable. All of the, the wildness at Emerson. And it's, it's nice because from what I've heard, a lot of people who read this book and didn't go to college or haven't gone to college yet feel like this book gives them a crystal clear image of the college experience. And since I didn't go to college, I definitely feel that way myself. And as I said before, this book is just uproarious. I was I had to start to laugh at several of the jokes in the book. And this definitely won't be suitable for readers who aren't into books with lots of footnotes, because this has lots and lots of footnotes. But personally, I liked it. But maybe there were a few footnotes here and there where I felt like maybe they were unnecessary and they, and they took me out of, out of the plot. But most of the time, they were just hysterical. Fresh also boasts unabashed sex positivity and queer rep, and I like the way it touches on sexism and slut-shaming. This is being marketed as a loose retelling of Emma. And I appreciate the way that the homages aren't in your face. You know, they're there, but they're also pretty subtle. Like, there's one time when Elliot sets up her roommate with her first boyfriend, after which Elliot discovers just how awful the boyfriend is, which is comparable to Emma trying to set up Harriet with Mr. Elton. But again, it's handled in an understated manner, rather than being a blatant homage that will feel distracting for anyone who hasn't read Emma. Just to warn you guys, there is a scene of sexual assault in this book. It's not overly graphic, but, you know, just to put up that content warning. Again, that's Fresh by Margot Wood. I highly recommend this for anyone who's into a breezy, funny, sex-positive, queer, coming-of-age college tale. I can't wait to hear what everyone else recommends for the free for all. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, uh, Arthur. Um, I know that I've been hard on new adult or young adult <laughs> um, in the past. I'm intrigued by the tender chicken remark. Yes. <laughs> Me as well. Um, in- intrigue. Um... So that was Arthur with Fresh by Margot Wood, um, another one that I have not heard of. So see you guys, I'm not any expert by any means. You guys are usually more knowledgeable about this stuff than me, let's be honest. Yeah, what are we even doing? But I am more knowledgeable <laughs> than mom. So that was the Low bar. free for all. We had so much fun hearing from so many of you. You guys, I mean, like, yeah, we were... We were pretty low, and I was like, whoa, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, you guys came through today, so we had... Yeah, and I want to say, from the last free-for-all, I've read almost all those books that I pulled from that. From that. I'm reading Texas Destiny right now by Lorraine Heath, which was recommended in the last free-for-all, and thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah, that one's good. I read that one. So, um, yeah, I just love getting all these book yeah. ideas. Yeah, it's fun. Um, Especially right before the holidays when we've got a little bit of a I can read yes. whatever I want break. Yes. 
Um, we would love to hear more from you on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, which is Not Your Mom's Facebook group, our Goodreads group, our Twitter and Instagram, which are both at, at Not Your Mom's Rom, or you can email us at Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us, we'd love to hear from you. On December 6th, uh, we will be diving in to the first entry in our winter reading list with our only holiday read of this year, uh, officially on the podcast. Um, well, our naughty, her naughty holiday. Yeah, that was a, I, by holiday I mean. They're all holidays, Ellen. Okay. You need to clarify. <laughs> by holiday, I mean like. Christmas holiday. Christmas holiday. Okay. It's the holiday season. Um, that book is A Very Bossy Christmas by Kaylee Loring, by the way. Before you so rudely <laughs> Remember what I'm here for. <laughs> you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. Don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show, and we obviously just love to read them. All right. Thanks, Mom. You're welcome, Ellen. But more importantly, thank you guys yeah, for- Yeah, because we didn't have to do anything this time. <laughs> making this free-for-all episode happen. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.